Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. We also have co-hosts Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet. We will share with you the wisdom of the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic, Brachma. Michael is the author of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information about the forgiveness process, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, welcome to the show, Mind Shifters Radio. Hello and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio. I'm Tim Hayes. I'm your host for the first hour. And today is Friday, January 27th, 2023. As always, we're grateful to everyone who's joining us here today, whether you're listening live or through the archives, as we spend another couple of hours teaching and supporting people in using some of the most powerful, effective, efficient, and accessible tools I've ever encountered. These tools are available absolutely free through the tireless efforts of Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice on the website at whyagain.org. If you go to that website and click on the two words that say start here in the upper left-hand corner, it will take you to a page where you can download and read Chapter 24 of Dr. Michael Rice's book. His book is titled, Why Is This Happening to Me Again?, And that chapter of that book contains a narrative description and explanation of the primary tool in this work. That tool is called the Reality Management Worksheet, sometimes called the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet. And it's a tool I've been using for over 18 years to improve the quality of my life and most of my relationships and to turn any negative emotional experience I have into part of the infallible guidance system that each and every one of us has been given. You can also download the actual worksheet process itself. It's a simple PDF file. Click the link, download it, print it off, copy it as often as you'd like, and use it over and over again absolutely free. You can also go to your app store and type in the three words, Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness. If you do that before you're done typing the word forgiveness, you'll see the glowing heart icon. If you tap on that, it will let you download a completely free and private app that contains the Reality Management Worksheet, contains an abbreviated version of that worksheet process, and it contains a copy of the Dragon Klingon game, which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. You can also download a whole host of audio files or shows just like this one where people have been stepped through the use of that tool. And if you choose to listen to those, they can... Uh, serve as a tutorial for you for how to get maximum benefits from these tools in uh, the most efficient period of time. You can also go to the MindShiftersAcademy.org website where there's another resource, some of the best of audio files, some of the the first hour of last year's um, shows where we were reading The Way of Mastery with commentary, 
some interviews that I've done with people from um, various uh, authors and uh, motivational speakers, spiritual teachers, etc. Um, MindShiftersAcademy.org. That's also the place where you can find all the information you would need to join us on one of our free Tuesday night or Thursday night support groups that are held through Zoom. And you can join us from wherever you are as long as you have Internet service and it's free and all the information to join those group meetings is there as well. So we hope people do all of that soon and often because it tends to improve the quality of people's lives the more they uh, apply these tools in their lives. And it also tends to prompt comments, questions, answers, testimonials. And if you have any of those to share with us, please do so. 563-999-3581 is the phone number. Or you can email me at tjh at mindshifters-academy.org. Or you can email genie at j-e-a-n-i-e at yagain.org. That's w-h-y-a-g-a-i-n dot o-r-g. And if we get an email from you with a comment, a question, an answer, or a testimonial, we will address it on the show. And then as time allows, send you a note about what day and time it was addressed so you can look back to the archives and listen to the feedback. And as I mentioned, we appreciate when people do that because it makes it far easier for us to live into our intention with this work. Our intention with this work is to be a service. And if you let us know how things are going for you, how it's landing for you, the way we're spending our time on this show, and whether or not it's of value, it's far easier for us to be of service and to be of value. This year we've made the commitment to try and get in at least one worksheet process per show whether that is somebody calling in and wants to work through a worksheet or me doing one. So the um, the possibility exists that I do a worksheet because there was one that came up from uh, the worksheet processing I did yesterday that I haven't made the time to do that yet, so I could do that one. Or we can entertain comments or questions or step somebody else through a worksheet if they have a desire. Or we could spend some time talking about uh, a question about the worksheet process if that's of use. So let us know. How, how would it be of most use for you for us to spend this next hour? 563-999-3581. If you call that number and press 1, it'll put the little icon of a hand by your phone number, and I'll turn on the microphone and announce you. In the absence of someone doing that, I will take a moment and open up the app on the phone because I have the uh, I have the app outlined or the uh, 
worksheet outline from yesterday, and um, that worksheet came about because the worksheet I did yesterday was on the phrase that came up in another worksheet I did earlier in the week. And the phrase was, I must be too stupid to know how to, how to, be a, how to live life and be a success. And when I did a worksheet on that, or I'm sorry, when I, when I did EFT tapping on that between worksheets, I had the flash of realization that that's exactly the same thought I had, not just when I was in college and the professor accused me of something I didn't do, but many years later when I was, I thought, in the middle of a successful marriage with two sons and they were teenagers and I thought we were on our way to living happily ever after. And my wife said to me, hey, I don't want to be married. I never loved you and get out. So in that moment, I had that flash of I must be too stupid. How could I have not known this, etc." When I canceled the goal I had in that worksheet and asked to be shown the hidden part of my mind and did the little breathing meditation that I like to do that I call the forgiveness patter, I got a very vivid image of my ex-wife's mother's face, just like a headshot that, like, that you would have from a professional photographer. And the essence of that story is that in 2000, two or three years earlier, my mother-in-law had contracted pancreatic cancer in like April and passed away uh, late November of the same year. And that was just a year and a month after my own father died. So in the constellation of the family, my sons had lost two of their four grandparents, and my wife had lost her mother, who was one of her best friends, and she spoke to her multiple times every day. And then three years later, she tells me she never loved me and doesn't want to be married. So... I have a worksheet to do on that memory. And the upset level, I would say, is about a, a 6 out of 10. And step one, it asks me to identify myself. I, Tim, who am love, am feeling the emotion of sadness. When I think about my mother-in-law and how relatively short her life was and how little my sons got to spend with her. You know, they were they were preteens when she died. So the worksheet then asks me, I'm I'm on the app and the full worksheet. It says to use a separate sheet for each emotion. Hostility and fear come from internal corrupt data and indicate my use of sustained incoherence, which means doing something that creates a pain in my life and then deciding I don't like the pain and then continuing to do that thing to try and get rid of the pain. It just can't work. 
but it uses sustained incoherence to build this disturbing internal construct and then blame it on somebody else. And every time I blame something I'm feeling on somebody else, that means I'm in denial. And my denial causes me to forget that my true nature is love and that I'm completely safe in each moment as I was created, that I remain as I was created to be. And that process of denial and projection tells me the lie that my emotion, in this case sadness, is caused by someone or something outside of me. And so I'm going to put um, mother-in-law is the trigger. And what happened was she died quite abruptly. I'm just going to put here died of cancer. And it wasn't really that abrupt. I mean, there were months of treatment and trips to the doctor and a surgery at the beginning, et cetera, but it was out of the blue, unexpected for somebody in her 50s. So the work she has me to breathe and soften and remember that if they're the one with the problem, I shouldn't be having this pain. Why? How is it that I'm creating this pain if they're the one with the problem? Step D, 1D says, the truth is only my thoughts cause my emotional upset, and I want to breathe. And the thought is that I use to cause this emotion of sadness is um, we miss her. And my wife never recovered. Never recovered from that loss. So we miss her and my wife never recovered from that loss. That's the thought that I use to create sadness in this situation. And I am not aware of any punishment thoughts at this time for somebody else, for my mother-in-law. I'm just going to put the ongoing sadness as a punishment thought for me. And then the worksheet asked me to release myself, my sadness, My mother-in-law is the trigger. What happened that she died of cancer? My thought that we miss her and my wife never recovered from that loss. And cancel my need to be right and cancel my need to make up another story out of these brain cells about this memory and all these experiences to hallucinate proof that my reality, my fear and hostility-based reality, my story is true. So, step two, I choose to love truth and I willingly face and process out all of the disease-producing energies for and from all of my relations today and all of the generations past. 
I willingly go through the physical, mental, and emotional symptoms of healing, which might look like any physical symptom, and low energy, any negative mental thought I ever had, and confusion, and any negative emotion I've ever had, and depression. And I'm willing to go through those, and I move on to step three. My desire, the constructive result, the exact goal that drives my pain perception is that my mother-in-law stay alive and be available for her daughter and our family. breathe and I soften and I move to step four. And step four, I'm going to choose love, which is my essence, which stirs the love in everyone involved. I remember the rose and the butterfly story where I need to stay connected to my source because if I disconnect from my source, I can't survive. And I do a brief meditation to shift from the sadness to that loving energy, to that safe, happy, secure, solid, productive energy. I feel that rolling in my heart space, and then I hit next. Next, step five, reminds me that when I'm upset, my perception is built out of corrupt data. The thing that drives my mind to use that particular data is my goal for my mother-in-law to stay alive and be available and there's a little weirdness in this worksheet so I'm backing up for a minute because it's put somebody else's name in in the worksheet. And so I'm backing up to change that. And I'm retyping the worksheet. Stay alive and be available for our family. And I'm back to step five. And it's still there, so I'm not going to worry about it. It's misprint, but step five. When I'm upset, whatever's happening, my perception is driven from corrupt data. And the thing that drives my mind in this particular case is my goal for my mother-in-law to stay alive and be available for our family. This perception is a limiting picture constructed from a max of nine bits of data when 10,000 brain cells are firing. So by canceling my goal, my replicate mind's reality collapses and gives me direct contact with the denied, dissociated, and projected parts of my carbon-based memory, which is busy projecting and blaming others for its content. So while I hold love conscious, active, and present, I collapse my mind's lies 
by willingly canceling my goal for my mother-in-law to stay alive and be available for our family. And I invite Ruka. A nice deep breath to incline me toward healing, to restore me to my awareness of my newborn essence of love, to heal my denial, and to heal my capacity to generate sadness, and to help me open a direct conscious relationship with and gently remove the denied and dissociated and projected parts of my carbon-based memory. And then I just do this little meditation forgiveness pattern. I cancel my need to be right. I cancel my need for anyone or anything to change, including myself. I specifically cancel my goal in this worksheet. And I ask to be shown the hidden part of my own mind that's actually creating this upset. And I just breathe and soften. And I start with that image of her face like a professional headshot of my mother-in-law. And I cancel my goal for her to stay alive and be available for her daughter and our family. And they just breathe. And soften. And in the breathing and in the softening, I just get all kinds of associations about what it's like in the family that was my in-laws and their lack of processing of emotions. And so there's a a sense I have that... uh, that there there wasn't a healthy grieving process for her and that there may not be that much in the way of keeping her memory alive that's happened for my my sons, etc. So I breathe and I soften. I'm aware of some sadness there. And... I'm... Currently feeling still sadness, but not as intense. And there's a, an insight um, and the insight is that I want to promote, I want to do for myself and promote for my sons more active memories of their grandmother. So I'm breathing and I'm feeling this energy of sadness. It's a whole different flavor to the sadness now. In this this sadness, it it feels more like... um, 
the sadness is being generated from a thought that I should have done more to help keep her memory alive, etc. So that's notes I will make about that. And then um, step 6C has me asked to be shown a time when I've not fulfilled a goal similar to the one I had for my mother-in-law. And, and basically being there for others. And that's the goal I'm asking to be shown as I move forward in life where I have failed to be there for others either in the past or in the future. And a number of thoughts are coming up that can go in in here for future notes. Step seven is that I acknowledge a principle of the universe that by giving I first get the original. So I'm going to rest in gratitude for this opportunity to heal and I'm going to choose truth and perfect love. And to my mother-in-law, based on my goal that she stay alive and be available for our family, I'm going to structure the loving goal to do a worksheet on this, on this remaining sadness and this thought that I haven't done enough to promote this, and have a conversation with my sons about that. Two things. I will do a worksheet on the thought that I have not done enough. And, of course, uh, my mind is telling me right away that that wasn't my responsibility and I was too much in the process of grief about the marriage, etc. And I did plenty prior to the end of the marriage. But that after the marriage has ended, I can say, honestly, I haven't really been you know, an active promoter of memories of their grandmother on that on their mother's side. So I'm making a note here about that, promote memories of grandma. And And then I commit to love, to living a human life, and to a mass canceling of all the times I've wanted somebody to stay alive and be available for their family. And that would be fairly easy to do. My father and his father both come to mind. So I put that in there, and then I take a breath and notice my emotional upset's down to about a three. And I would count that a successful worksheet, some good insights. I look at the PDF and send it to myself in the email for future reference. And that's another worksheet completed. So 
call in number 563-999-3581. We're open for comments and questions. Area code 610, you're in the air. Maybe if the wheel quits spinning. <laughs> Hi, Susan. Dr. Tim. Hi. Whoa, amazing worksheet. What popped into my mind, and this is a question, it seems, it sounded as if you had a connection between if my mother in law stayed alive. Our marriage might not have ended. She could have helped. Well, many many people have up? said that. No, many people have said that. Many people okay. who knew how how uh, we'll say overwhelmed, grief stricken, devastated my wife was, um, and her shutdown, her difficulty functioning for an extended period around her mother's illness and death. That, that's been a common thought that you know if if her mother was still here that that the marriage wouldn't have ended. But I, I don't I don't believe that. I think it was just really really hard for her. And and now the insight I have with this is that okay, so I have not been actively promoting memories of my ex-wife's mother the way I actively promote memories of my grandmother and my father and now my mother that she's passed with my sons. And so that's a target worksheet for that. And then um, that's one of my goals is to do a worksheet on feeling responsible for that or feeling badly about that. And then Mm. having a conversation with my sons about that very topic to find out you know, in their lives when they're um, hanging out with their mother and their uncle and and their grandfather on that side, do they frequently get reminded of their grandmother and what she was like and her sense of humor, et cetera? Mm. Did your grandmother, was she good at processing or was processing just not something that family did? Any of them? No, they they don't talk about their emotions at that level. Yeah. When, Were you and she close? Well, I mean, as as close as you can be with somebody who's in a family where they don't talk about deep deep things. Yeah. Okay. This is a very moving worksheet. I love, I feel as if you're doing this work on the radio show is so absorbing and engaging and immediately applicable to our own lives. Just translates. Whatever the issue, there are parallel things that brought up a worksheet I need to do, for instance. (laughs) That's... So 
it's going well, I think. Um, okay, well, that, thank you for that. I, I, we have this on a regular basis, when we, especially when we were doing the live groups. We would have somebody, you know, we'd say, okay, everybody who would like help doing a worksheet, and one person would pull out a worksheet and we'd coach them through it, and everybody else would either be following along that worksheet or doing their own. And on a regular yeah. basis, people would comment that they planned to do a worksheet on, you know, how the there was no toilet paper at the store and people are hoarding it and this is crazy. And then somebody <laughs> else started a worksheet on the anger at their mother and they had to put away the toilet paper worksheet and start one on their own mother because it resonates, oh, right? right? The right. issue that is up mm-hmm. that people are talking about, we're all, we're all human. We've all got similar issues. Maybe mm-hmm. not the same exact flavor, maybe not the same intensity, but, mm. you know, we are all connected in ways that we don't normally talk about or get feedback about in our culture. Mm. So I had do you one want to say anything question. about Okay, well, I was just going to ask the question, do you want to say anything about what got triggered for you and what, what is the worksheet that you need to do, or do you want to just ask your other question? I'll start with the uh, other question. And I, you, you mentioned sadness over your mother-in-law, grief over your mother-in-law, and you're not saying that those are not. I, I get the feeling in the worksheet that we shouldn't be feeling some things that it would be very natural to feel it. And that's not what you're saying. But if I were a newcomer to the show, I might wonder what's so bad about feeling sorrow or grief for the loss of a mother-in-law that I cared about, or just because it affected my wife so much or whatever. It isn't, I know there's work to do, Maybe if it's incapacitating, but on the other hand, isn't there such a thing as a healthy sadness or healthy grief, a warranted grief? Well, Uh, I don't want to label it one or one or another, but I do want to clarify that there's nothing intended in my presentation to say that it's bad or wrong that I have the sadness. Okay. And it's useful, it's there, I want to use it to its best, you know, to its best purpose in my life. If it keeps coming back, if it's not getting resolved, it's got messages for me. And so, you know, yeah. if this is a prime example, this particular worksheet, if I hadn't done this particular worksheet, I may not have for quite a long while tapped into this dynamic, which I'm pretty certain is a real dynamic in, in my son's lives, that... It may be that because of the uh, the age they were when their grandmother on their mom's side died, that and and with the um, the difficulty that the members of that side of the family have with discussing their emotions, etc., it may be that they don't have a lot of airtime to talk about who their grandmother was on that side of the family. It, 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 may, it, may, it may also be that they're doing just, just fine with it, but I, yeah. I'm quite aware 
that I haven't been engaging in those discussions with them. And I certainly have with at every level with all of the losses from my side of the family. Right. Whether it was their nephew, you know, who died when he was 10 or their father, my father, etc. Their their great-grandmother. So I've been very engaged in conversations about that and keeping those memories alive. But this worksheet opens my eyes to the fact that, you know what, that's not really been in balance for the other side of the family. Mm-hmm. I, I have not that's been engaging my sons in conversations about their their other grandmother. Mm-hmm. So it's that's just, cool you know, it's not that, that my sadness is a bad thing, but my sadness, if I use it to put it on a worksheet to find out what the origins of it are, it can alert me to, oh, Tim, here's something you might want to make a change in for the benefit of yeah. you and your sons. Mm. That's lovely. That's sort of like a, a an arm of a an enlightened goal. <clears throat> and I had another question before I do, go away from this. I was thinking that since your feeling about yourself was that I'm clueless, I'm too, not smart enough, I'm too dumb to realize that my wife wasn't happy. I wasn't picking up on that. Am I a dunderhead? And I wondered if the thinking about grief over her mother might have taken some of that blame away. You sort of answered it already. You said, no, we wouldn't still be together whether my mother-in-law was alive or not. She couldn't have fixed this. But I wondered if it lightened the load of your feeling dumb um, by thinking that there, there just might have been a shift in your wife's orientation toward her whole life because of the loss to her mother, and somehow that takes some of the heat off you to be responsible to have had a clue. I don't know if that's clearly put, but... Well, I think that um, what you're intimating with that question, ultimate goal for me with any worksheet process because if I have a negative thought about myself or somebody else or a negative emotion Mm -hmm. active in my mind, I instantly know it's not true. It's based in a falsehood or a lie. And Mm -hmm. it's not about the, the life scenario that my mind is telling me it's about. This is old stuff from the past. Mm. So, you know, when I have that, when I have that, um, flash of a thought with intense emotions around it from when I was 21 years old dealing with my psych prof and then, you know, that I must be too dumb to be a success in the world to understand life. Here I am as a licensed clinical psychologist with 48 and a half years experience doing therapy. My logic tells me that's not true. Yeah. So, so it's not like it's sitting top of mind driving everything I do. And yet, Mm -hmm. the fact that it's been 
there and got resonated with strong emotions, strong negative emotions in a worksheet, let me sit back and and look at how it may have been influencing decisions in my life for decades. And so the more I uncover that dynamic at the unconscious level and bring it forward to conscious awareness, then the less it, it is able to to sabotage me right Mm -hmm. sneak attack yeah Yeah. get it and so whether or not it's you know um, a a deep insight from any one particular worksheet like this one or not that's the eventual goal is that i see Mm -hmm. at deeper and deeper levels that if it's a negative thought about myself or somebody else or a negative emotion it's false Mm-hmm. It's based in a lie or a falsehood. It's not about the current situation. It's an old tape playing in my mind, often tied to traumas, if not mm-hmm. just really well-rehearsed negative thought patterns that have become beliefs. And it's to my advantage to uncover them, see their origins, and see their false nature. That's good. So this worksheet you did triggered two different worksheets for me. And the situation is going to seem very mild. But let me ask you first, is anybody in the queue? Do you want to? Well, let's just finish what you're... Let's finish what you're saying. This triggered two worksheets for you. Yeah. I, we had a Zoom group the other day, and one of the women on the group um, <clears throat> was talking about abuse in her childhood, and she was very vague about the kind of abuse. And I said, you know, is this, physical punishment, what kind of abuse? And she sat up straight and looked annoyed and said, this is not therapy. I don't have to answer that. And I felt stupid, which is my, you know, favorite, one of my favorite miserable things is how could I have been so, so insensitive to ask that question? And I felt stunned. And I, I said, oh, okay. You know, and I didn't process at the time. I'm more or less, I am the facilitator, my husband and I are, but I'm the head facilitator, and I do feel responsible. So I had that, and she has done that a couple of times. My worksheet that I've been doing got me to the point where I asked myself, well, when have I zapped somebody? And my answer was, I don't do that. I have zappy feelings, but I don't zap. I get ahead of them, and I say, whoa, I don't think I zapped. Now, I may be fooling myself, but when you talked about your wife saying, I don't love you, I've never loved you, get away from me, I thought, maybe I might have had that thought. I mean, I don't. I haven't had that thought about Tim Beam, even though at times I've wanted to murder him. I've been mad at him, but it was, I never would say that. And so I, that 
locks in a kind of blame stance, like, well, I would never do that. So they're the bad guys, and I'm right. I, you see where I've gotten? I've gotten myself into a place where I can't own that. So a little insight on where, that would Where be you great. can't own what? Saying something as mean as that. Or we, we, we don't. We, we don't need you to own that. All we need you to own for you to move forward in your life is that you own that you generate negativity when she zaps. Okay. Rather than just stepping back and saying, "Wow, she's pretty wounded." People don't zap unless they're doing it to cover up their pain, fear, or sadness. Mm-hmm. Okay. And when I see that clearly, I don't take offense and I don't worry about, oh, where have I zapped in the past? And I just take responsibility for any offense I create and do my worksheets around that. Okay. Good. Right? So, so, so here in, the, in a situation like that, if I was the facilitator and somebody, you know, said, uh, you know, you have no right to ask me that question. My worksheets would be around thinking that I screwed up as a facilitator or that I'm not smart enough to do that work or that you right. know, I made a mistake exactly. and it might yeah. have hurt somebody. And I would do the worksheets mm-hmm. around that and dismantle that upset because them snapping at me is not about me. Because a healthy person who's not wounded, if somebody asks them, what kind of abuse was this? They simply say, well, you know, it wasn't pleasant and I don't want to, you know, put that out here. I'm just going to do the worksheet on it. And they'd be fully understanding yeah. that you were well-intentioned and they wouldn't take offense if they were. That is so good to hear. Yeah. If they were healthy and not wounded, right? But when they're yeah. wounded, mm-hmm. that's, that's when they zap. Why are they zapping? Because they're trying to numb themselves out or distance themselves from a pain, fear, or sadness that they don't want to deal with directly. Yeah. Okay. That's the only time we get angry with somebody. That's the only time we zap or snap somebody. Mm-hmm. Good. Helpful. Good. I have this image of you uh, putting me back on track. I've been picturing being on track because the Pradivan thing it gets gets me back on track. And it's true. I have only thought to love and bless her once since that happened. And I should be doing it quite a lot, you know. But that's a very good answer. Thanks, Dr. Tim. Oh, you're welcome. Was there another worksheet that got triggered that you wanted to mention? That was... That was the combining of the two. Your okay. wife speaking like that, this woman speaking like that, yeah. It pretty much ended right. up being the same feeling stupid thing. All right. So here's area code 541. You're in the air. Is this Celinda? Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to say it, Susan. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love the way you say it. Yes, it is. <laughs> Well, Dr. Tim, I have a worksheet I'd like to go through with you. One that you've already done or one you want to do from scratch? No, one I've already done. All right, go right ahead. 
this is around my brother, and you suggested that maybe I would want to do a worksheet over my um, thinking that he had, didn't have a lot of, sa- of joy in his life. Go ahead. Okay. I, Celinda, who am love, am experiencing sadness. Okay. And do you want me to read all of this other information or just go ahead and go through the... the for, for, time, for time consideration, let's just go through telling us what you ended up with as answers since I just did a worksheet, so we don't need to read the whole thing. Okay. Uh, my story is that Ken, who's in the classic, quote-unquote, Christian, a classic Christian religion that follows the Old Testament laws, and Sabbath um, is um, uh, is an, it, it just he that's it. He follows the Old Testament laws and Sabbath, and he doesn't seem to have a lot of joy in his life. Um, that's my thought. And what is your emotion in this in this work? Uh, oh, I, uh, a sadness. I said. No, All right. I so you have sadness, and it's created by the thought he doesn't have much joy in his life. Go ahead. Right. Um, I don't want to punish him, but I punish myself by obsessing over his sadness. And um, I want to go back here and say um, I'm I'm very aware of if they are the one with, if they are the one with a problem, why am I with the one with a pain? I'm really focusing on that, that it's my pain, not theirs. So my level, my emotional upset level was a 6 or a 10, and my physical sensation was just this kind of shut-down feeling when I get when I'm really sad. Um, um, I choose to honor truth and uh, face, this was important to me, uh, face and process out all of the disease-producing energies for all, for from all of my relations and generations, and that I am willingly going through this, um, willing to go through the physical, mental, and emotional symptoms of healing. Uh, and I release and surrender myself, my emotions, um, my uh, brother, my story, my thoughts, and punishment to love. My desire, and I cancel my need to be right and make up another story out of these brain cells to hallucinate proof that my fear, hostility-based story, my reality is always true. I had it always. And I check that, and I'm breathing as best as I can with talking. Um, My desire, the exact goal, is that Ken know, feel, and be blessed by joy in his heart so that his life overflows with joy. And I realize that my perception is um, built out of erroneous data um, while holding love, conscious, active, and present. I now choose to clap to my mind's life by willingly canceling my goal, my driver, for Ken to know, feel, and be blessed by joy in his life. 
and so that his life overflows with joy. Um, I invite Rucha and Kucha to incline me towards healing, restore me to my newborn essence of love. Um, that's very difficult for me, so I have to put a different picture in there and of um, I don't feel like I felt my newborn essence of love ever in my memory. Um, so, and when I held my da- daughter, it was more a sense of obligation and responsibility that I knew in the depths of myself I was not able to do. Um, so I am now searching for another symbol for this expression of love. And I think I have one, but I can't pull it up at the moment. Heal my denial and capacity to generate my emotion of sadness. Um, I ask Rucha Dukucha to help me open a direct conscious relationship and and gently with and gently remove the denied, dissociated, and projected part to my carbon-based memory. Um, The reason I'm going so quickly through number five was because I didn't even get to the goal when I realized this sadness that I felt for my brother was not about his sadness. It was a projection on my part of my own sadness and um, not having joy in my life. And that has been a driver for me to run around fixing people so that they can have joy, (laughs) thinking by default that I would get joy as a result of their being joyful goals um, that I had for everyone and everything. So I'm very clear now. I'm very clear about um, that my lack, it's it's about my lack of joy, which I'm projecting onto my brother and onto others. Um, I ask for a time to be shown when I have not fulfilled my goal um, that I was expecting of someone else. And I would say that most of my life, I have been a sad sack, driven by fear, shoulds, and never good enough, and also about my early, from my early religious training, which I, I'll make a little additional comment about that. I commit to love, to living a human life, and to help achieve this, I do a mass counseling of all the times I wanted number three from someone else. So I feel like uh, this is a step into my responsibility to myself to practice this insight until it is a habit for me. And I will keep on doing my worksheets. Uh, Number seven, a principle of the universe is that by giving, I first get the original. I love that. I love that. I am most grateful. I love your expression of saying rest. I rest in gratitude. And I'll put my little word from last year. I I abide in gratitude 
for this opportunity to heal. I choose truth and perfect love. And my goal for Ken and for myself is to do at least one uh, worksheet around my lack of joy and the true cause within myself for this lack of joy. And I soften and breathe. I feel really calm. Um, I feel like my emotional upset level afterwards is no higher than a two and most likely a one. Um, It's been a successful wake-up sheet on the heels of a previous one I made that you suggested about my fear of loss that reduced me to a, um, um, a, um, a blithering, <laughs> a blithering, sobbing, sad person, and that worksheet made me feel worse. Uh, Michael and I talked about it, and but today I feel very, very joyful, actually in a calm sort of way, and uh, I feel directed, and I wanted to share that workshop, our worksheet, this worksheet with you and anyone who's listening, um, because it really, it feels like a major, major breakthrough. And one of the breakthroughs that I realized, I'm beginning to realize, uh, practice into realization is that I thought, oh, I'm just projecting on my brother. I need to get rid of these projections, you know, stop projecting. And I went, bingo. I said, the perception will always project. What am I projecting? I'm supposed to be projecting Christ's mind. I'm supposed to be walking in Christ uh, until my perception comes into alignment with the truth, um, which I will never know completely the truth because I'll be doing worksheets probably in the next dimension that I find myself in. Um, And so I just wanted to share that with you because I'm feeling very, very um, calm right now and excited at the same time. So I thought I would share that with you. Wonderful. Thanks for sharing. And um, that's a, a really good insight that, you know, it, the it's a core insight that we often miss, and that is um, I am never upset for the reason I think I am. That's a, from a line from The Course in Miracles. And so when my mind tells me, you know, a bit earlier on in this call, Susan Bingham said, you know, there have been times when I, I was so mad at Tim Bingham that I wanted to murder him. And... Um, if we hadn't been in the middle of that, if it had been a casual conversation, I would have said, well, remember in this work, we try to, we catch statements like that and we clarify that it's my mind <laughs> trying to tell me that my anger is about Tim Bingham, but it's never about the people and things outside of me. It's never about what they're doing. It's always an inside job. So when I think I'm sad because my brother doesn't have enough joy in his life, I can instantly know this is not at all about my brother. Right. Or anybody else outside of me. And it's, you know, it's the power of the willingness to continue to do the worksheet process that will eventually reveal to us these things that we hide from ourselves so masterfully. 
right? It is not ever about the other person. So we've reached the end of our time. I thank you both for your uh, input. I will mute you so you can listen in to the second hour. I will remind us all that we come from love. We're made of the stuff we call love. We actually are love, and everything else is false. And I'll turn on the microphone for and welcome Jeannie Rice. Thank you, Dr. Tim. I hope you have a good weekend. Thank you. You too. Blessings. Thanks. Bye. So welcome, everybody, to the second hour of Mindshifters Radio. And today is Friday, and it's January the 27th, 2023. And our call-in number is 563-999-3581, and press 1, and that puts you into queue to talk to us. And we'd like to hear your comments and questions, because that makes this your show. And while we're waiting on Michael to dial in, I will just share that, you know, I've been spending the last few days trying to get um, the worksheets that are online straightened out. And I spent quite a bit of time the last couple of days talking to my tech in India. And he finally came back and, and was like, you know, there's no codes in there. I don't know what would have happened to that. And he doesn't either, whether there ever was any. But anyway, then he offered to put the codes in and get the online worksheets working the way that our app does. And I asked him what that would cost, and um, he said, well, what do you have in mind? And I said, well, I said, I'm, you know, Mike could pay $200, and he sends back a face, like, with its tongue hanging out, like, what? And <laughs> he said that was about half of what it would cost for them to do it, and I told him I didn't have $400. There was just no way I could do that, that even 200 was going to be a stretch, and um, that maybe I would just do it another time when funds were better. And bless his heart, the little guy, he's, you know, I've really gotten connected with him over the years. He's really worked on their apps, and he's easy to work with. And, you know, they're 11 and a half hours ahead of us. So when I'm getting up, he's going to bed. And so we both kind of give on our, you know, I'll either get up at 5 or 6 in the morning, or he stays up till midnight working on stuff. And so anyway, he said, no, he said, friendship is more important. He says, I'm going to go ahead and fix it for you. And he said, and when you can pay me, then you can pay me. And I thought that was just so sweet. So I'm putting it out there. If anybody has $400, they can send my way to pay him. Um, that would be fabulous because, you know, I, he has to make a living as well. And I know our U.S. money goes a lot further when it gets transferred over to they're Indian. Um, I can't remember what it is, but um, it, I know that it goes a lot further for him than it does for us. And so if there's any way that you can help with that, um, you can contact me directly at Jeannie, J-E-A-N-I-E, at whyagain.org, or our address is there on the website. You can um, drop it in the mail. Um, I do have a Zelle account which they don't charge a fee the way PayPal does. But anyway, if you're so inclined and you can help with that, then uh, get in touch with me. Let me know if you've got my phone number. You can text me or call me as well. And so we've done several changes on the website. We've gotten some more uh, testimonials and some videos and things that had kind of disappeared between switching from whyagain.com to whyagain.org. There were a couple things that got lost and, 
uh, we found them accidentally. And so um, Susan Giles has uh, got them up on the website for me. She had to do some conversions because they were different formats. And so there's a lot of things out there. Go out and, and check things out, look around. Yesterday in the notes, I put out a lot of links that perhaps people haven't paid attention to and haven't logged into and, you know, get out there and look around and see what's out there. And at this time, I am going to welcome Michael. I think I'm going to welcome Michael. <laughs> I don't hear him. You are. I'm that. here. Excuse oh, me, dear heart. He <laughs> my uh, okay. My phone screen jumped and I had to get back to the original screen. And one of the other things that we'll put out there and we'll invite you to do, if you would, is, you know, pick up on our new videos on our YouTube channel. And one of the things we're looking to do, you know, since we've stopped traveling, as Jeannie said, you know, finance has become a bit of a challenge to keep everything moving and going and expanding. And uh, so one of the things we're working toward is monetizing our YouTube channel. And in order to do that, they have certain you know, standards. They have to have so many videos and so many hours of watching and blah, blah, blah. And so if you, uh, if you would, uh, you know, jump on. We've been putting more and more out there. Yesterday, Jeannie put out a, a, uh, a meditation CD called Wellness to Stillness that uh, up until now has been a, a paid product. We, a few months ago, put out the uh, Why Is This Happening to Me Again, a full three-hour version, which, again, used to be a paid product. So we're putting more and more out there to invite people to participate in our YouTube channel. And when we get to a level that uh, fits their standards, then they'll actually start to pay us for that, which is for people watching our materials, putting enough materials up there to attract people. And so it's kind of on the generous side, and we appreciate that. And uh, so it would be a help if you would you know, spend time daily, weekly, monthly, whatever, listening to videos, Clicking a like on them, that helps that, uh, that people are liking them and, uh, and uh, making a comment. So we're just uh, kind of scrambling and looking you know, since we've been four years that we haven't been on the road. It's, uh, and Heartland's been closed. And, of course, you know, the taxes go on. The electric bill runs about $500 a month. And, you know, you can't just turn it off. So, uh, so that's uh, sort of put a, a bit of a drain on things. And so if this is supporting you, I invite you to support us. Whether, you know, if you're not in a position to support financially, pass it on to somebody. You know, send a link from a, a video that you watch uh, uh, to somebody or send a copy of a radio show or a worksheet or what have you. So. And if you're in a position and you're benefiting from this work, then we invite you to drop something in the collection plate <laughs> that uh, helps us keep it all rocking. And beyond that, uh, is Susan with is, is anybody out there with a hand up, Jean? The only hands up were the hands that are, were up with talking with Dr. Tim, and Susan is one of them if you want me to turn her on. Okay, well, it's, we might want to find another way to say that, but sure. <laughs> okay, I'll turn Let's her microphone on. <laughs> there you go. Hi, guys. Hi. Hey, young lady, how are you? Okay, how are you? We're rocking. We're doing well. Doing Good. well. A nice, sunshiny, but cold day here. 
And yep. um, a couple of thoughts I wanted to share with you. Okay. A little while back, we had talked about, uh, you know, the uh, native species plants and how your neighbors had complained about your backyard uh, because yeah. it didn't look neat in order to, like, trim the yards you're supposed to look. And uh, one of the thoughts I had, I was doing a little more research on Telemi's work with uh, national parks and, uh, you know, where the city came in and forced you to cut it down especially if it's native species, and I don't know if that was a focus that you had going on in your yard, but uh, you mm -hmm. can go on to uh, Ptolemy's website, National Parks. Uh, oh, what's the yeah. name of it? Anyway, you can go on there, register your property as a national park, and that might make a difference as to whether or not the city might, uh, you know, <laughs> interfere with yeah. what you're choosing to do with your land if you're doing something that yeah. really truly is to... Uh, you know, in fact, right. it might be something to even, we've been talking about to neighbors and such, to present that, you know, maybe we need to let our yards get a little what the world calls messier, but have some native species so our, our yeah. insect and uh, food supply doesn't collapse. And that might be a way to talk to the city legally and maybe even, you know, the neighbor who complains, say, well, maybe you should try this. Look, watch this video. Here's what we're doing, why we're doing it. Just thought. Oh, great. That's a great idea. Um, our, our, you know, it's a very touchy relationship with our neighbors, and yeah. so I, I didn't want to aggravate it. But what I did do was sure. I didn't have, have a garden last year. I just didn't have the juice for it. So the, right. the whole area is fenced in, and I let that go, and it it grew up. It's been a wonderful habitat, and it's all native stuff. In there, awesome. as my whole whole yard was, and they didn't complain partly because there's a tree that blocks their view, and I'm not sure they even know I did that. But I think they right. figured they had complained enough, and they couldn't they couldn't keep complaining. This year, I want to have a garden again. So <clears throat> the other business is nice. back. You know, in the, uh, that's a great idea. I love that idea. And with um, Michael yeah, living with us, he might help us do it. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, well, this yeah. you know this little plot that's only 25 feet by 100 that we're prepping, and we'll be putting pictures of it on on the website soon. Uh, we just got it fully covered with cardboard and put uh, put some um, wood chips on it to start the breakdown of the the grass. And uh, we're getting ready to bring in a, a dump truck load of. Uh, of soil and uh, composted hardwood chips to uh, to start building soil for these native plants that will be coming in in April or maybe a little sooner than that wow, March that's April. Great. So that's great. I'm excited about that. So that was one thought I had, and the other one you had sent me a link to a video of a man who's talking about breathing through our noses, and right. uh, he's got a really stern "Don't breathe through your mouth," but. There is a reason, I think, why there's a passageway to the lungs through the breath as well. And mm -hmm. I, I'm absolutely with him on, you know, day to day, breathe through your nose. It's not a healthy thing to breathe through your mouth all the time. But one of the things that happens when you breathe through your mouth, and he sort of alludes to this, is there are passages in the sinus cavities that feed oxygen to the brain and keep it rocking, keep it firing. And, you know, you've heard me say many, many times that one of the keys to healing is you've got to be out of your mind. And so breathing through the mouth tends to 
let some of the oxygen that otherwise is sort of force-fed to the brain go, and that thing kind of shuts up. And through the mouth, we tend to access our emotional nature. And with that, when those emotions are aroused by the mind getting quiet and having more access, it tends to, or at least my take would be, it tends to drain off the emotional trauma that a lot of people carry around. So that's why the breath, the still point process is done with the, uh, through the mouth. But you can certainly do still point breathing and do it through your nose. And uh, I've, I've found that it doesn't reach quite the same uh, emotional release places that breathing through the mouth does, but absolutely you can do it through your nose, for sure. Well, I have been sort of doing that but I felt like a fraud. You know, one of my issues is an imposter, being an imposter. <laughs> so I thought, well, I'm inventing my own method here. Um, basically, it's just counting, counting breaths and getting really, really calm and then letting the breath remain deep but kind of forgetting about it. And mm-hmm. that's the best I've done. I, I don't know that I've ever stopped at the bottom of the breath or not. I tend to think about it, which is exactly what we don't want to do. If I think That's what about breathing through the nose does. It keeps, keeps the mind going. Well, I certainly was doing a lot of thinking with my mouth open, Michael. I'm, I'm a basket case in this area. I was <laughs> swallowing and worrying and wondering if, how I could keep it open because it naturally clamps shut and all this business. Plus, I was worrying about bacteria in my teeth when my gums dry out and periodontal disease and all this overthinking with my mouth wide open. So Mm -hmm. I am very far from doing, you know, what others seem to be able to do. And I hand it to them, you included. Sounds like uh, maybe some worksheets on worry. That's an old uh, reality that maybe you could be forgiven and let go of. And as opposed to, and I'd, I'd invite you to look at who, who implied to you or told you or how you made up this thing about being an imposter, and I'd substitute that with I'm being an original. I'm going to originate. You know, we're designed as human beings to originate. And who knows? I mean, when I was trained in breath work, when I came into, discovered, and started to teach still point breathing, I totally went against the quote-unquote rules that I'd been taught. And a whole new mm-hmm. world opened up in that. And that was the world of the still point. The breath work that I was originally trained in, if you went into still point, it was called holding your breath. You had a jam in the ribs and you were forced to breathe. Oh, you're going unconscious. Breathe. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, 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 no. This is, this is the core of the still point where high-speed mm-hmm. process happens where you go into uh, a, uh, a superconductor state and can just let go of all kinds of things. But you can also reach that with nose breathing. Yes, I've found that it's more efficient, more effective to do it with mouth breathing, but if those other things are a concern, then go for it. Great, thanks. Yeah, I I wondered if it was okay to send you that. It's sort of like, oh, uh, you know, uh, confront those with. I have issues about that too. 
confront me anytime you like. If you've got an alternative thought, I'm here to hear it. If you've got alternative evidence, you know, I can't take in everything in the world. So if you will be my eyes and my ears and my brain to expand how I can see things, I'm always wide open for it and appreciative of it. Okay, well, that's very good of you. That's wonderful. It's funny when you said this imposter thing, I got it. It's like I did an instant worksheet in my head. <laughs> I mm. remember my mom looking at me and saying, who do you think you are? Mm. There you well, go. What, whatever I thought I was, was too big for her britches. was not acceptable, yeah. It's that old message, I mean, you know, what? that first message yeah. power person gives so many people is there's something wrong with you. And it's a lie. Yeah. Right. And so I support you standing was... up as an original and originating yeah. the creation of your life. That's what we're here to support people doing. That's wonderful. I love it. And I'm doing it, but I get these twinges you now and again. <clears throat> like being a pianist, my mother used to say, why are you doing all that practicing? Pianists are a dime a dozen. Everybody can do it. What are you working so hard for? So hmm. That's another one. Yeah, I don't know why she was so like that. I'm not sure why. I've had a lot of talks with her. Dr. Tim said, you start talking to your mother the way, or maybe you said it. I guess you were the one, because you reminded me about Magda and her grandfather. It hasn't come out like the grandfather one, not at all. Mm-hmm. But I have gone through the physical uh, physical symptoms of healing. It have included nausea, just nausea, talking to my mother and having mm-hmm. her talk to me and getting to this place of feeling just absolutely sick. And I haven't got past that. I, I sort of sounds need, highly successful. I need... oh, I'm glad you think so. Sounds Michael. like a highly yeah. successful process. Well, you're dumping toxicity. That's why you, you know whatever you're dumping as you're going through that and processing. When it hits the stomach, the stomach says, "I've got to get this out of here." So you're successfully yeah. dumping and moving through things. And you know, as we said before, the symptoms of healing are not always doctor feel good. But it's an interesting message that you were given and it sounds like maybe mom's message was always one of negativity no matter what we're going to find something wrong with what you're doing even when you're working hard to accomplish something we'll make it something wrong and and you know probably she had a power person that was always giving her the message that whatever she did was in error oh my god michael you absolutely got your finger right on it it just popped into my head of course she wasn't like that in general she was so loving and giving to us in the ways that she could that did not include physical touch but she she did comb our hair she would pull and yank but she tended us and you know she took us to piano lessons and she sat and sewed while we did our piano lessons and she she took every chance to give us opportunities to get experience as musicians and stuff but what happened to her she was only child of a very poor door-to-door salesman her father never went past eighth grade he was a door-to-door salesman 
the the depression hit and she was at Wellesley College on a full scholarship and absolutely loving being at college and he pulled her out and said you've got to go to work we need your help supporting the household mm-hmm. and she left college and never went back and was heartbroken Ouch. and she, her she heart. educated herself she used to read voraciously and that was the right. thing she'd go to the library in the summer and get a stack of books and she'd disappear she went into her books and her, our competition were the books um and when she came out of there sometimes she was so far away it was very hard for her to come back into the family and focus mm-hmm. on these rats, you know, these little kids who wanted her attention and were acting terribly. So I really feel no, for her. No, they were just but acting like father, little kids. Yeah, well, basically her father was saying, who do you think you are? He used to say things like hoity-toity and uh, he used to uppity. He used to talk about people who pretended to be above their station, and I'm sure right. she, did, she got that. So, man, you've done your... Well, it sounds, <laughs> yeah, it sounds like the, uh, the message around practicing music would be a reflection of the effort she's putting into Wellesley and learning and growing and expanding mm-hmm. into something bigger, you know, bigger than dad. Yeah. And then having that frustrated torn out from under her by being removed from school. Mm-hmm. And probably a exactly. reflection of her disapp- unresolved disappointment when she mm-hmm. says to you, well, why are you putting all that effort in? You know, like, you know, effort's not rewarded. It's just wasted because it's going to be crash. Yeah, I think so. And mm, mm, that's, a, that's a powerful message to unravel in the mind of a child. You know, even if that child is now a few decades on in years. That would be mm-hmm. powerful stuff to uh, to let loose of. The weird thing is those messages came when I was very young. When I started really making my place in the world, concertizing and writing music and getting performances, she was the first one to say, oh, my God, this is so wonderful. How do you do it? I'm so proud of you. She was very, very supportive, and so was my dad. But those messages you get as a little kid, they have a different way of getting in there and sitting in there. Well, when you realize... one of the one of the key components of a power person dynamic is that this is survival. And so mm-hmm. when a child gets a message from a caretaker that literally in the child's mind it could mean the end of life. Gee, if I'm here crying and I need something and, and my caretaker doesn't show up, what happens to me? So those mm-hmm. messages are definitely very powerful. And energetically, you know, if the child steps into that survival mode, you know, the energy field opens and everything in the environment, the good, the bad, and the ugly is just energetically taken on. Whereas when you get up to an age where you've you've reached reason, you know, you can reject ideas, certainly they don't have the same kind of impact. Even if the messages are Mm -hmm. there, they're not as um, 
They're not, you know, at 10, you know that when mom says this, it's not your survival. At three, mm-hmm. child doesn't know it isn't survival, and that's one of the key components of do we open and just, you know, absorb the energies from the environment, or do we look at the energy of the environment and say, thanks, but I'll pass on that. The three-year-old yeah. can't say, thanks, but I'll pass on that. That's true. So as you see those kinds of things, that would be, that sounds like perfect, perfect worksheet material. Yeah. And have you looked at the new worksheet? No, I haven't. Oh. I have not. Well, we we created a simplified version for uh, the workshop that we did last week for a physician here in uh, in Bruce, or in um, Johnson City, and mm-hmm. I abbreviated it significantly took out uh, several of the uh, more complex pieces of the puzzle. And I think it's going to be something like for your support group that will be easier for people to be introduced to and to carry out. So I thought I had sent it to you, but since I haven't, I am actually just getting ready well, to hit the button. Well, isn't it on the website? It is. Mm-hmm. Okay, it I is. can go on there. But it's now also in your inbox, in your text box. Oh, you're Mr. Grease Lightning. Thanks. Oh. Yeah. There it be. Stuff going on in our group. Yeah, okay. I just Tell us about it. it. And he's making changes to it already. Oh, yeah, the worksheet's back on the plate. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I woke well, up this morning with guidance. So just, just change a couple of words. There'll be minor changes, I suspect, but there are going to be a few to come. All right. Well, I'm putting it to print several copies right now and it's one Sweet. page i trust yeah. one page yes so tell us about tell yeah. us about the support group oh well it's just fodder for um i talked about it with dr tim so um one of one of my patients, you're getting the blessing of people giving you opportunities to learn forgiveness <laughs> right right one of the, one of the women on there is is prickly, and of course, you know I'm used to getting pricked. So she gives me opportunities <laughs> to deal with being pricked. You know, little little barbs. Uh huh. So I'm getting a chance. To... So one of those people that your mom talked about. Yeah. Well, one of the people that turns into my mom for a little short little flashes. My mm-hmm. mom, when she was in her scared and not so well punishing mode, the big right. outcome of talking to my mother has been that she keeps apologizing to me for how she treated us. Mm-hmm. She regrets very much. She says she's very sorry. But the end goal I still have is to have the capacity to allow her to touch me and to trust that. And I don't. And when I get mm-hmm. I give that, I do that goal, and I, I look at it from all kinds of angles, and all I end up is feeling sick to my stomach. I've got a lot of work to do left on that. Good, to- good toxicity, letting go. So, so the question I would ask in that context is: So, have you pardoned her yet? Oh, sure, Michael. I've pardoned her millions of times, but forgiven her, I'm not so sure. It isn't clear. Okay. 
Well, remember that pardoning is, okay, so mom, I have compassion for you. I can see the straight jacket you were in and why you behaved the way you did. So I'm going to just let go of it. I'll let you off the hook for that. And the forgiveness work would be how I'm going to go inside myself and clean up the end result of what's going on in my mind and body uh, right. from the interaction between you, mom, and what I carried in my structure. Yeah. No, the the business of feeling like her victim or blaming, I think I'm done with that. You know, I don't want to fool myself. I just, in fact, compassion is huge. I can see why she was the way she was. Um, but it's still in my structure, as you say. It hasn't gone out. In fact, I'm doing that cleanse you recommended, Michael. I'm doing the gentle right. version. I've got about three mm-hmm. weeks to go, probably. It's, right. it's very gentle, but I'm telling you, it's doing things. Things are moving. <laughs> nice. How's yeah. your skin doing? I don't understand this. I went back to the doctor. The skin's much better. But I, if I scratch, like I scratch my shin, even if it does not itch, it will start itching like gangbusters. I can scratch any part of my body to see if it's going to itch, and it will itch. What the heck is that? You're scratching yourself. Stop it. <laughs> I know, but it it loves it. It wants more and more. You know, is this the way people have always been and I never noticed? Well, I think what you're you're finding is that there are irritating energies that are sitting in that layer of your structure and your your structure probably wants to stir it, release it. And so that, you know, even though there's the deleterious effect of scratching, uh, it's, it wants to stir that energy up. And as you cleanse and clear out what doesn't belong, actually that's one of the words that uh, the uh, you'll see. Uh, I'll, I'll send you when it's finished. I've, I've been working on it uh, just this morning. But down at the bottom of the uh, of the worksheet, the last line uh, says to uh, to breathe and smile. But I actually changed that, the last line, right just before you get into the definitions. You said you'd printed it. So this morning I awakened with, you know, just like guidance to change the last line of the worksheet to breathe love, cleanse, and bathe in oxygen. Hmm. So there'll be that little change in it. Okay. All right. Bathe in oxygen. Well, I'm mm-hmm. going to have to feel for that one. Yeah. Thank you. Sweet. Well, anything else exciting happening in your world? Luke has been sober for three months. All right. Congratulations, Luke. Group, and he's joined a group of students who volunteer at a children's hospital taking care of young kids in there, reading to them, uh, wow. sitting with them, playing with them. and What an awesome turnaround. Well, it's, I, I'm, you know, I'm just hopeful, and he also is very tough in a great way with Jacob. He says, Jacob, addicts lie. You are lying. Cut it out. I know you're using. I don't want to talk to you until you 
stop. And Jacob has improved and cleaned up his act a lot. I think he's still using, but he's much more polite to us. He even apologized to his mother for not having come to her wedding with the new husband. He said, I'm sorry I treated hmm. you all that way. I, I'm hoping this isn't an act because I know he's good at acting and he may want something. I'm suspicious, Michael. I got to watch it. But I love it, what he's doing. So two boys in, in improving. Well, Luke is the big brother, right? Yeah. So, you know, it sounds like he's having an influence. We'll, we'll hold the space that the influence carries through until, you know, Jacob is really ready to look at some of the core stuff that he's going to have to look at when he lets go of drugs and alcohol. Yep. Right. And one thing you said, Michael, I passed on to Luke, and it caused a real change. You had said addiction very often, most often, and maybe always the result of trauma. And I said that to Lukey, and he said, oh, my God. And I said, so give yourself credit and don't be tough on yourself. This is this is what you went through, and you had reasons to anesthetize yourself. Anesthetize exactly. with a T. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so he he said that helped him a lot to take the blame off himself and to acknowledge that things had been really bad at home. So. Well, and work, you know, at the ramp. to add to that. Yeah, to add to that, perhaps another another level of it would be to, I don't know if he's been exposed to the power person idea, but to explain the power person in that those behaviors are passed on and as he's facing those things, underneath those behaviors, there's all the pain that was absorbed from the interaction with the power person in those early years. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like when the... Good, cool, sweet. So, but just going back and working with kids, that's awesome. Yeah, I know. I know. He says, I want to be a father, and I want to do it the way I wanted it. Hmm. So, and then I said, but watch it. When you get under stress, Michael Rice says, you're going to be triggered, and you want to do what your dad did that you hated the most. Just be on the lookout. And he said, I will. Sweet. And one of those things was to put him down. And that's where he's got to lift himself up to change that thought pattern and lift himself up in those moments mm-hmm. of stress rather than yeah. succumb to the power person messages. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, what a better way to do that than to become a powerfully contributing member to the community and going in and supporting kids, helping. That's awesome. I know. I know. I'm we actually watched a movie the other night. Um, Jean, do you remember the name of that film with the ocelot in it? Might be an interesting one for him to watch. But um, we'll, we'll find the name Cat. of it. Wildcat. Yeah, Wildcat was on Amazon. And it's a story of a young man who's British, and he goes to war, and uh, he just can't handle the the pain of watching the trauma and in particular in the in the movie he talks about a uh, 
uh, as a soldier in one of the war-torn insanities, uh, he has to stop a, a man who's carrying his child to bury the child and the pain of that for him. And oh, so boy. what he does is he volunteers in, uh, in the rainforest to take care of animals. It's really powerful to watch the things he has to process and deal with. It's a powerful demonstration in the ocelot, his relationship with this animal species that's threatened and they're there to support them and take care of them. It actually takes, to they, it was a what they called a rewilding project. And uh, so they were taking these uh, abandoned baby ocelots, small cats, that yeah. you know, when they were, when they're just born, look like little furry, you know, house cats, but uh, turn into yeah. a pretty powerful animal when they when they grow. But literally, uh, his challenges in spending two years pretty much alone, or mostly alone, he has a relationship with someone and some of the trauma that goes on there. But but he spends, I think it was about a year and a half with one animal, and the animal because of um, poachers in the forest ends up um, you know, hitting a piece of wire that fires a gun and kills it. So he's got a lot to deal with there. And he goes back and you know, takes on another baby ocelot and it takes two years to rewild them. And wow. uh, it was just like his healing, you know, his making that contribution was part of his healing. It was really powerful. Wow. So... And uh, and it, it okay, really demonstrates the kind of pain, yeah, the kind of pain and trauma he had to deal with. And, you know, it was uh, a powerful way that he moved in that direction. So, mm. But that's awesome that he's working with kids, and that's just so amazing. Isn't it? Mm. And it's with peers. It's not just by himself. He's got some buddies. Right. And this is new for him to make friends not just go get drunk together. Well, it sounds like he's now stepping into the gregarious, powerful, contributing part of his genetic history. Yeah. I'm I'm just I I guess I should stop being nervous. I got to do a worksheet on fearing that he'll relapse or something. Got to stop that. Picture him healthy, well, strong. It would probably be good to, you know, that might just be the hem of the garment he needs that in moments of temptation he can turn to that energy uh, knowing you're there holding that space and that might be what uplifts him past the the moments mm-hmm. of temptation that are going to come because those moments of temptation are going to come and that's part of the recovery project and you know why they say you have to do meetings you have to stay connected with people so with your sweet connection with him that might be you know one of the main things that makes a difference as he's mm. going through these layers that he has to go through and you know and I hear what his family story was it's uh, there's some pretty tough stuff there well, thanks, it Michael. sounds like he's on the right track that's awesome so delighted to hear it you put yeah. so much support and energy and life force into supporting he and Jacob. It's pretty awesome. Congratulations. Thanks. Thanks. Wish I could have done more, but it's somehow seeping in anyway. Yay. And it sounds like it's spilling over to his brother. So, you know, whatever time it takes, we'll we'll hold the space that it 
keeps moving in the right direction. You know, that, that thought from the Course comes up that's, I think, so profound when you realize the energetic impact of it, and that is that millions yet unborn are going to benefit from the work you do. Millions. I mean, there's so many grandparents that are so busy and so tied up in their careers or their their niceties or their stuff or their trips or their, you know, vacations in Florida or whatever. And you've dedicated so much life energy to these two young men. It's a powerful gift to give them. Thanks, Michael. Yeah. It's been my pleasure. I yeah. like them. It is it's pretty awesome, isn't it? Well, and it sounds like uh, you've you've given that same gift to Jonathan as he's gone through his layers. So that's pretty amazing. He's amazing. He is amazing. Yeah. How's he doing with his practice? Are things softening for him? Yeah, well, he told them at the hospital that he didn't want to do certain things and he wanted to do more of other things, and he... Uh, and they said, we'll take you any way we can get you. He's considered the mayor of the operating room. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's his, yeah, he, his favorite thing is to jump in, and Jeannie would be interested in this. You know, placenta previa is a condition where the young mother is maybe losing her baby and possibly her life because the placenta right. pulls away from the wall or wherever it is. And um, they often bleed to death. And he's formed a team of himself and two other doctors and two gynecologists and um, a urologist, which is what he is. And when they get that case, they call the team and they, the three of them work on the woman. Almost no blood loss, no loss of life, and, and the baby is fine. They've actually wow. created this method of saving the mother and baby that's being published all over the hmm. place now. That's awesome. He's doing ah, I got tears loves. coming on that one. Isn't that something? He's doing the work that he absolutely loves. He's overworked and the hospital is a mess uh, too. And he bawled him out. He said, I'm leaving if you don't correct this. And they called the whole administration together and they said, we're working on it. He's a powerhouse in there. Cool. Well, you know, 2022, more women in America died in childbirth than at any time in American history. I didn't know that. So, yeah, yeah, I've just I've been doing some research on being actually being pro-life as opposed to being pro-birth. Many circles, right. you know, if you if if you look back in history. Slavers were some of the pro-birth, most powerful pro-birth people that there were, but they weren't pro-life, and a lot of people died. Oh, boy. Yeah. And they needed to be pro-birth because they needed replacements for their slaves. Mm-hmm. Oh. And today, if you look in a lot of the states where they're supposedly, supposedly pro-life, if you look at the statistics, they are maternity deserts the same way as there are food deserts and the, oh, I believe it. the the legislation that these 
supposed pro-life people are passing are totally pro-birth and have nothing to do with pro-life and kids are starving, mothers are dying, children are dying. It isn't pro-life at all. It's just pro-birth. You've got to have more babies. You've got to have more bodies. And what we need to do in our culture, you know, my take and the writing I've been doing in that direction is we need to move in the direction of actually being pro-life. Oh, we have policies that, you know, we, there's no such thing. I mean, the wealthiest country in the world has, I, I forget what the numbers are. I've looked them up and, you know, put them into an article. The number of women that live in maternal deserts where they can't get maternity care, where their babies can't get care, the number of kids right. that are in starvation mode in this country of wealth, and most of them are supposedly pro-life states. We need a change. We need it. Well, well, it's yeah. it's the old political game of sophistry. Remember, the sophist was the the Greek um, person who was a philosopher who traveled around Greece, and for big bucks, the children of the wealthy, how to lie and make their lies sound true. Mm. And that whole game is so tied into that sophistry and it's about wealth hoarding and it's about money and to have money you need bodies to work in just like the slavers did they were very pro-birth but their babies didn't last very long and they didn't live very well and neither did the mothers and wow. so you know to me we need to become it's just a matter of becoming conscious you know it's an old habit in millions of minds and we just need to become conscious, do some forgiveness work, and bring correction, and, and actually set up policies that are consistent with pro-life. Like, oh, we make sure that, you know, that county out there that only has a few people has a birthing center and has, you know, medical care for that baby and that woman. Not just we're going to pass yeah. a law that says she's going to have that baby whether she likes it or not. That's like a stupid starting point for to yeah. pretend to be pro-life when you don't follow through and there's no care and there's no support and after x number of days if they're indigent if they get x number of days of care after that baby's born and then they're cut off there's no medical support there's no you know i mean there's just so many things that are insane about that whole game yeah. it's just you know one yeah. more place we need to wake up and and uh and bring human life actual love into the process Mm-hmm. So congratulations to Jonathan. That's awesome. That's so needed. I mean, that's that's probably, especially in these places where uh, they are maternity deserts, that's probably one of the things that has contributed to this you know, these last few years being so deadly for, for pregnant women in America. It's crazy. The health yeah. outcomes are just tragic, tragic. I mean, we're, I forget what number, we're like, something like number 19 in developed countries, and we spend way over 200% more than any other country in the world. But we're number 19 mm-hmm. in health incomes or outcomes. Mm-hmm. I mean, how, how bizarre is that? So that's probably exactly the kind of procedure that's going to, you know, really spread and save a lot of lives. So congratulations, Jonathan. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm going to have to teach others. They've been helicoptering mothers in from rural areas, and so the help is getting out there. But what they need is to train the doctors to do it out yes. there. <clears throat> 
Well, I look forward to the time when that procedure will just be ubiquitous. Standard. Yep. Yep. Standard of care. Right. It takes takes three of them because the bleeding is phenomenal. The crisis is so sudden and so acute that they need three guys, three three doctors, not men necessarily. Mm. Wow. That's amazing. What a contribution. When we see it all written up and showing up, we'll be able to say we knew Jonathan when. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, That's that's awesome. Yeah, it's in the journals, but I don't think it's out there, you know. Yeah. Very cool. Hey, Michael. Awesome, young lady. Well, we appreciate you. Thanks. Tell Tim we said hello. I will. All right, lots of love. Take care. All righty. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right. I'm not sure if she put her hand up a second time or not, but I think that she might have. So, Linda, one, you're on the air. Hello. It is I. Hey, welcome, young lady. Yes. Good day to you. I loved your whole conversation with Susan. I have a little message for Susan about reframing. Um, one of the things that helped heal so much of my relationship with my mother and ongoing healing with her is reframing. And um, I was wondering if she ever had thought that her mother was down on her when she was little about practicing the piano um, because she didn't want her to feel the pain that she felt about being yanked out of Wellesley. Yeah, that's a big, big piece of the puzzle, I think. Yeah, because she was trying to protect the children. But we don't see that when we're little, and the parent doesn't see it at all. (laughs) You know, because it's unconscious, or maybe doesn't see it at all. Right. Well, and when a power person dynamic, when somebody plays out and acts out and speaks out of a power person dynamic... They don't have the same story for it that they had when it was done to them. When it was done to them, they see it as a tragedy, an offense, an attack, whatever it happens to be. But the brain, you know, I'm realizing more and more that the brain, the mind, uh, when it's just functioning as carbon-based memory, pretty much exists to make excuses for why we're doing what we're doing and making it somebody else's fault. And so when, when you know, I do a power person dynamic that when my power person did it to me, it was terrible, I construct a whole different reality. Oh, well, I'm only doing this because I'm protecting myself or I'm helping them or, you know, there's a whole other story that goes along with it. And until we start applying forgiveness and collapse those stories and see what the underlying energy is and are able to process it out and forgive it, uh, it, it tends to run the show. Even, you know, the mind can make up all kinds of excuses for why it's doing what it's doing. So I think well, you're right on track it, there. Yeah, and it also could be that she doesn't even know that she's, quote, unquote, trying to protect the child because she's in the throes of the dynamics. You know, what I'm trying to say is that maybe that, too, is a push down into her unconscious, and she doesn't even know what she's doing, or she might. Yeah, you don't know. I just, but just, I just got to... 
I just got a text from Susan that says, Celinda's right, and I have thought about that. It's a good point. Thank you. Oh, good. Yeah, cool. and, and it's not even about being right, is it, is it Michael and Jeannie? It's about yes. just looking at it from a little uh, 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 twist of the kaleidoscope. Yeah, seeing what it looks like from another view, just trying to get a little expansion on it, yeah. Yeah, I've got a couple of other things to share with you if you're interested, too. Okay, how can we support uh, you? What's happening? Um, well, this is about Plum Fund. Have you heard of Plum Fund? It's one of those No, crowd- I'm not familiar with it. It's one of those crowdfunding sources. Now, I don't know now because this was five or six years ago, but it used to be that they didn't charge anything. The only thing they charged for is if, you know, if anybody made a donation, there was a certain amount that the credit card company that they used um, would uh, take out for their service. And that was it. But the 5% or whatever the other ones uh, charged, and maybe some of them charged even more, um, Plum Fund didn't do that. And I had a really wonderful experience with Plum Fund. Um, I wasn't ready to fund it um, to do the work um, to really get it going because I'm not on Facebook and everything. But for someone like you and Jeannie and the whyagain.org website, I would think that plum funding would possibly be. Right now. I did uh, look at that, and they charge um, 2.59% of whatever is donated, plus 49 cents per transaction. Uh, Plus the transaction. Oh, so they've changed that since then. Okay. But uh, I did have a really wonderful experience with the personnel there. um, Cool. And so I thought. Well, look at that. We haven't really also, moved in the direction of looking at crowdfunding, but I'll take that into uh, account. Maybe it can just be put on the back burner and let it percolate a little bit and see what happens. <laughs> there, we'll see what happens. When you gave um, uh, Susan permission to change her breathing because she was a, be a creator, <laughs> an originate, original instead of an imposter, and I wrote that down. I love it. Um, I thought, well, I better fess up to Michael that I've already changed my breathing for, for still point. Uh, I have some no fessing needed for me. <laughs> and that, uh, uh, what because I do qigong, um, uh, there is a healing technique that you can do with qigong where the breathing technique is you breathe in through the nose, but you breathe out through the mouth. And as you breathe in through the nose, you see that life energy coming into you, healing life energy. And as you breathe out, you see this gray smoke or black smoke of whatever the toxicity is, that you're the disease or whatever that you're trying to release, you're doing your best to release, you see it going out you just visualize that and since i tend to generate a a lot of saliva in my mouth and since i also tend to have a stuffed up left nostril um a lot which is a whole bunch of other worksheets they'll probably do on um 
the uh, I get a lot of drainage from it. And so by having my mouth open and not being able to swallow, it makes I, I get a choking sensation. So I just started doing that. But I keep my mouth open. This is interesting. I keep my mouth open, and I just kind of close off with my palate, the back of my tongue, uh, a little bit on the breath coming in through the mouth so that it kind of goes up into the nose. And then uh, I release it on the exhale. I thought I'd share that in case anybody uh, may be having difficulties of then breathe in through the now, mouth, uh, the nose, and know that um, it's going down. You know, I visualize it also going down into my body at the same time and my heart. Cool. Yeah. So I just thought I'd One of the things. Yeah. One of the things you might want to uh, look at with that uh, chronic nasal thing is some specific uh, sinus probiotics. There's actually one product I'm aware of called Sinus Complete. And the sinuses need probiotics. They need the life that's necessary. And, you know, if we've shot all kinds of chemicals up our noses and breathed all kinds of garbage, it can be hard on those uh, probiotics that are designed to live in your nasal passages. So you might want to look at that, and you might find that will help with that uh, with that stuffiness in that one nostril. Might be all well, you need. I, well, really, uh, what I'm looking at right now is I mentioned to you that I take that ION product um, from mm-hmm. Dr. Jack Bush. Well, he has mm-hmm. an ION nasal spray as well. And um, I'm looking very much at possibly trying that to see um, if it has an effect. And there's a whole complex that I can get with, uh, if I'm a member, with a 15% reduction. I I think it's 10 now, but I'm grandmother, so (laughs) I get it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, well uh, you might want to just add some probiotics to whatever else you're doing. It might uh, it might assist in clearing up that chronic sinus thing. So, awesome, young lady. Well, anything else on your mind for today? Yes. Um, when you and Susan were talking about the um, medical system in relation to pro-life as opposed to pro-birth, um, I was also thinking that the forcing of um, midwives into the medical um, uh, matrix or um, legislating against the allowance of, of midwives um, is, uh, to me, also a violation of pro-life. Yeah, it's a serious problem. Yeah, I agree. It is, and it really reminds me of um, the Inquisition and the uh, witchcraft trials. It's all about the money. You know, Florida, there was a big, it was a big challenge with midwives back when there wasn't, uh, you know, government support and insurance and such. 
doctors pushed midwives in Florida. Oh, you take the babies. You take. There's no money. We don't want to fool with these, you know, in in, in, in people who have no money. We just are not interested in that. Uh, so you take them. And then when all of a sudden Medicare and Medicaid and you know support came in, insurance came in, and they're trying to wrestle the babies back now. You know, get rid of those midwives. They're terrible. And it's a it's another another money game. So it's, it's all about waking that. up to human life. Yep. Not about only that, but you, know, you be responsible for them. But if anything goes wrong, your your head is on the block. <laughs> yes, another aspect We're of it not for sure. Be responsible yep. Yep. for anything. <laughs> Thank you so much. And, and all right, young lady. Well, the show's going to cut us off any second now. Okay, so keep. All right. Be blessed. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Have the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to give the world. Blessings. Bye-bye.